So the reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. And it's on page 8 in the church Bible, so that shouldn't take you too long to find. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I've made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham and Jepheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. 
the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. This is God's word. Thank you, Claire, for reading that well-known story to us. Um, do keep that open. It could be really helpful as we look at this. Where were you on the 30th of January, 2020? Three years ago. I see puzzled faces. I don't know either. That was the day that the World Health Organization sounded the alarm. They, they told everyone, they told governments, whoever would listen, there is a virus in Asia and it's coming. Everywhere. Soon. Where were you on the 27th of March, a couple of months later of 2020? That was the day that Leo Varadkar stood in front of the nation and said, it's here. Lockdown for everyone. I remember exactly where I was when it came. And I remember I had heard about it before that announcement, but it was just so hard to imagine what it would be like. Is it really that big a deal? Is it really going to be life-changing? And I imagine when Noah was told about this flood that was coming on a day when it probably wasn't raining, he might have found it hard to believe what was coming. And so as we look at this well-known story, we're going to see two things. We're going to see that God judges, and we're going to see that God saves. And we're going to think about what that means for us. So God judges. Um, let's recap our story so far. We've been going through these first few chapters of the Bible. God creates the world, and it's very good. People sin, but he stays with them, keeps making promises to them, clothes them. And then we got to last week, and we saw that it's getting worse and worse and worse. When God first made the world, he looked, and it was very good. And now he looks, and what does he see? The earth is corrupt, full of violence. A student was reading this for the first time. And, and when he got to this stage, he was asked, sum up the story so far. God's the hero, people are baddies. And I think that's pretty fair. And I think that's hard, like, that's hard to believe and accept. And I read this as a person and think, I'm kind of on our side. But I think if there was a, a totally neutral third party reading this through, I think that's what they would see when they saw what God was like and they saw what people were like. 
so far. And so as God sees people, he's grieved. Have you ever seen something that made you uncomfortable in here? Because it's just wrong. I remember the first time I saw a fight at school between a couple of boys that I knew, and it was pretty standard in a way, but it was violent and nasty, and I just remember having like a knot in my stomach for, for a little while the rest of that day, maybe. When God looks at the world, he sees all of that. And of course, it grieves him. And we know that the worst sin is our sin against God, our attitude towards him. But it's interesting that here in chapter 6, what's pointed out, the earth's corruption, verse 11, is violence. It's people's sin against each other that is grieving God. And that's what's pointed out when we're told he's about to judge. And so it says that the people on earth had corrupted their ways in verse 12. And then God says, because they're doing this, I'm going to destroy the earth. And I'm told that that's actually the same word. So that they're corrupting the world. That's the same word as the word destroy. So he's saying, you're already doing this. I'm going to finish the job. God judges. I am going to bring floodwaters to destroy the earth and all life. Now, Sunday club kids, it's good to see you. Put your hand up if you're usually at Sunday club, but you're here today. Okay. Show me, show me both your hands. I want you to help me out here. Because our first message is that God judges. Find a seat and make this noise. Adults too, yeah? God judges. Do you know what that's the sound of? It's the sound of rain. Because God is going to judge with rain and a flood. And so God sends it. And he does give a warning to Noah, but when he first tells him, he doesn't say exactly when it's going to come. And then it finally comes and God says, okay, it's only seven days away. And Noah must be like, wow, after all his time preparing the ark, I don't know how long that was. It's here. It has arrived. One minute, you couldn't see it. The next minute, you couldn't miss it. And so God judges. And unless you've listened to the warning, it will come unexpected. And we're told at chapter 7, verses 11 and 12, what happened. The great springs of the deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened. And it rains, and it rains, and it rains, and it rains. This wasn't normal weather. This wasn't Ireland in February. This is God at work uncreating his creation. He, he's the one who had made land here and sea here, earth here and sky up here. And now he's collapsing it all in on itself because of what people are doing. That's how serious sin and violence against each other is. 
this isn't a cartoon. This is the movie about the tsunami where the tidal wave is coming on the city. Panic, chaos, fear, screaming, drowning. And the waters rose and rose and rose, and every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. I don't know which is scarier, that, that picture of the panic as it arrived, or the, the eerie silence as the waters come up, the rain has stopped, and there's no one left. You see, God judges, and it is fair and deserved, and it's unexpected, and it is total, and everyone died, except for Noah and those with him in the ark, because the story also tells us that God saves. So, Sunday Club guys, help me out, and everyone else. We've seen God judges, and our second lesson is that God saves. Do that for me. God saves. We'll see why in a minute. Now, we met Noah last week, and we saw the first thing we learned about him is that God favored him. He looked at him, God looked at him, and loved him. And we're told now in verse 9 of chapter 6, he was righteous, blameless, and walked faithfully with God. Noah was different from the others around him. He really was. And that difference came from his relationship with God, from his faith in God. And so God says to him, chapter 6, verse 18, if you want to have a look, I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You see, even though Noah was righteous and blameless and, yes, different from everyone else, I think he still needed saving, just like them. We will see um, later on in a couple of chapters that Noah was not perfect. He has this horrendous, shameful moment. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But for now, we're seeing that he really did have faith because he believed God judges and that God saves. And because of that faith, that belief, he then goes on to be obedient. And he builds this ark, as God says. Before there was any sign of rain, he built the ark. He went into the ark. He took his family and the animals with him. He didn't look for any other kind of escape. He didn't say to God, I'm, I'm better than all these other people. What's this judgment stuff got to do with me? Why do I have to get in an ark? No, he, he accepted judgment is real, but also that God saves. And so he got into the ark just as God commanded him to. And after he's in, 
just as the rains are arriving, chapter 7, verse 16. The Lord shut him in. You see, Noah really realized in this moment, yes, God saves. God shut him in and he said, you're in. You are safe. You don't need to do anything else. You see, Noah's ark wasn't a boat. It didn't have a, a steering wheel. It didn't have sails. It wasn't about Noah doing well once he got into the boat. I think the, the message he was hearing in all of this was, I'm just going to get in here and wait and trust God to keep me when his judgment comes. And I think if you were to go and find Noah and his family, who we know nothing about except that they got into the ark with him, and ask them, how did you survive? I don't think he would have said, well, let me tell you about this ark that I built. I think he would have said, God saved me. I don't think he would have said, well done me, well done us as a family. I think he would have said, God saved us. Imagine um, someone is stuck on a desert island and they need help. And so uh, he, he, this person who's stuck builds the fire so that the flames and the smoke signal can tell a passing ship, come help me. And so he builds it and it goes up in flames and the smoke comes and then the ship comes. How, how was he saved? By the people on the ship. All the fire was, all the smoke was, was a plea for help. Help me. I, I'm stuck. I can't do anything by myself. By itself, the fire, the flames, no good. But the ship rescued the person. And so in all of this, Noah is learning this lesson. God saves. Now, this, this is a really famous story. Um, a lot of you, if not all of you, will have heard it before. And I'm sure we have got our questions about it. So many animals, and like the ark was massive, but how did they all fit? What about the big animals? A flood over the whole earth? What did that look like? How did that happen? Well, let me, let me tell you a few different ideas that people have. And I, th I think all of these are taking the Bible seriously and taking God seriously. So, first view, number one, is that this was a flood around the whole world, and that we're reading here is history. And so, I think that's helpful, um, and I think that's a strong case, because clearly what happened there was unique. You see, God promised that He would never do this again, and like we do have floods today, and so it seems to make sense that there was something very unique about what happened during the time of the ark. And as miraculous as it might have been for all this stuff to happen, that's no problem for God. We've already seen that He made the world. No problem. He can unmake it like this. No problem. And um, people who, who think this would also point to things like Noah took um, kinds of animals, not species of animals. And the difference, I think, is there's not as many kinds. In other words, he might have taken this amount of monkeys, say, and then over the years, that has turned into the many more species that we have. So, yes, it absolutely still would have been a huge number of animals, but maybe not quite as many as we might think when we first 
read through it. So um, another, another idea that people have is that this, was, this is a real history story, but it wasn't necessarily around the whole world. And so they might um, point to verses like where it says, all the earth. Um, the word that we read as earth there in some Bible translations and elsewhere in the Bible is the word land. And so if you were re to read it through and it says, a flood is going to cover all the land, all the land, all the land, you might necessarily picture a full globe. So a couple of chapters later in Genesis, um, Abraham and Lot, um, God has told Abraham, I'm going to give this land to you. And he's talking about the country of Canaan, not the whole world. And he says, all the land is before you. And there, that phrase, all the land, clearly just refers to the land of Canaan. And even in um, here, chapter 8, verse 9, so after the water has gone down below the mountains, we get that phrase, over all the surface of the earth. It says there's still water over all the surface of the earth, even though at this stage, the mountains aren't quite covered. So I guess that's just making the point that it, it is possible that all the earth might technically mean all the earth. So people who say that would say things like, maybe the population of the world hadn't gone all around the world, and so the point that God is making in destroying all people is still valid. And then some people would say that this is largely poetry. Now, I think this is definitely history. It might be written in some poetic language, um, and I guess it just depends on how much you read of it as being real history, on which bits of it are kind of poetic in the way that other parts of the Bible might be. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I've been thinking about this, and I've basically been sat comfortably on the fence all week. Um, yeah, talk to each other afterwards. Let me know what you think. Talk to each other. See what you think. Um, I think that what we're looking at um, this morning and what we're learning from it makes sense with those different views. I think there are a few things that are really crucial, like Noah was a real person. This is talked about in the New Testament as though it really did happen. As we said, it was unique. It wasn't just a normal big flood. This is God at work. This is real truth. And so keep thinking about that. Keep talking about it. Ask others who might know a bit more um, and do so respectfully and graciously. So let's continue to think, right, what's this got to do with us? This happened, as we've seen, a really, 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 really long time ago. Well, stories like this show us what it looks like when God judges and what it looks like when God saves. So that when we hear about a future judgment that will be fair and unexpected and total, we get worried. And so that when we hear that there is a way to be saved, we get in the ark. So that when we hear about a man who is blameless and righteous and walks with God, while everyone around him is doing wrong, we go with him. A man who is listening to God's commands so that he can provide a way for others to be saved, 
with him. We go with him. God provided an ark to save Noah and his family and to take them through judgment into a new world. And God has provided Jesus, his son, to take you and me and anyone out there who will listen with him through judgment into a new and perfect and clean world. When we're told about Noah in the New Testament, we're told when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. Can we have faith like Noah's? What would that look like? He believed in judgment being real and salvation being real before he saw them. And we might, we might find it hard to believe that judgment is really real, mightn't we? When's it going to come? What's it going to be like? And we might feel the, way, the same way about God's saving. It might be a case of thinking, I, I'm not that bad. People aren't that bad. Especially if God is patient and merciful and slow to anger. He won't really judge me, will he? Well, remember, God looks at the world and he sees everything. He sees our hearts, sees our thoughts, sees what we say, sees what we do. Noah could have compared himself to others and said, I'm not as bad as them. I'm not going to be judged. But he didn't. We, uh, we like to compare ourselves to others, don't we? It makes us feel we're not so bad. You know, I'm, I was mean to my sister, but only because she was mean to me first. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit harsh with my kids, but you should have seen what my dad was like with me. God sees it all, and judgment is not a, it's not a comparison game. He sees us all, he sees our hearts, and he will judge. Or you might doubt his judgment for a different reason. You might be someone who, based on your experiences, is thinking, yes, please, God, come and judge. You might be someone who's longing for judgment and justice. Anyone here watch Happy Valley? Um, it's a like, crime police drama, quite gritty. Not for everyone, I'll say that. It's currently running, and after the first five episodes... There's been lying, there's been violence in the home, there's been murder. There's some bad stuff going on. And before episode six comes, what we're wondering, if we're going to watch that is, are they going to get caught? Are the people who are doing these things going to get caught? Is there going to be justice? Jesus says that in his timing... He will stop all violence and give judgment and justice and pay back everyone for what they have done to people. People we love, people he loves. God judges. Maybe we doubt salvation. Does God really save in all of this? It might be, I feel I've gone I've gone too far. I am guilty. I'm hearing what you're saying about God looking at me, and I'm, surely I'm too far gone. 
Will he, would he really want to save me, really, if he's seen everything there is to know about me? Do we ever feel judged, exposed, guilty in front of others, in front of God? If so, the ark is for you. Again, the New Testament speaks about uh, the flood, 1 Peter chapter 3, and here's what it says. This flood water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience before God. And so when it's talking about baptism there, it's talking about the work that Jesus has done to clean his people up. It's saying that in the same way that God cleaned the world up from all its violence and its corruption, Jesus cleans up people who trust in him. And baptism, what we do here is a picture of that. So we don't need to perform for God. We don't need to lie to him or hide from him. He's seen it all past, present, future. And he has said, through Jesus, I'm going to clean it up. Because God saves. And so if you're someone who is believing in Jesus, God has shut the door. You are in. You are safe. And what does it look like to have faith and to continue to have faith? In other words, to stay in the ark. Well, at times, at times it will feel like judgment is real, the flood is here, and you will be so glad to be in the ark. You will feel, this is where I need to be. This is where I'm safe. But there'll be other times when it's, it's harder to appreciate that. When, you know, you look out the window and you see people eating and drinking, marrying, getting on with life, doing some good stuff as well as the bad stuff. And you might wonder, do I really need to be in the ark? Is it really worth it? Is it necessary? Jesus says, don't climb out the window. Stay with me. Stay in the ark. Because God judges and God saves. So get in the ark. Stay in the ark. Amen. We're going to finish with our final song, Immortal Honours, Rest on Jesus' Head. <laughs>